Well, lucky you. You're listening to the audio version of the Talking Comic Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego, a weekly live YouTube podcast discussing everything in the world of con culture and brought to you by your host, Leonard Sultana. This is Series 4, Episode 2, broadcast on Sunday the 14th of August, and this week we have one of our live outside broadcast episodes in which we get to take a glimpse of a convention in full swing. Alyssa Franks of the Friends of CC Forum joins us from Boston Comic Con, checking out the sights and sounds of this amazing event. As well as giving a live report from the show, Leonard and Alyssa also discuss the recent issues for attendees and press recording content at conventions, focusing on the struggles endured by YouTube channel Flicks in the City. Talking Comic Con is looking for sponsors for this year's podcast. If you're an organization that would like to help us keep bringing the latest con news to our viewers and listeners, head to anenglishmaninsandiego.com slash contact dash us to get in touch. Welcome to Talking Comic Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. I have my first cup of tea this season. I'm looking forward to this uh, episode two of our uh, particular run. I know that Alyssa held her own and did a great SDPC episode last week. Do check that out on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes if you did miss last week's episode. But it really was a great way to start off the new run. Um, my name is Len Sultana and uh, each week we talk San Diego Comic Con, Con Culture and all the surrounding pop culture as well. So uh, things that are happening in the world of conventions. At the end of the day, it is something which has exploded beyond even the organizers' wildest dreams and fantasies. So it's certainly something that um, justifies our existence on a Sunday, each and every week, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT. Um, we do get the chance every once in a while to do a live broadcast, and that's where we go over to uh, my partner in crime, Alyssa Franks from the Friends of CC Forum. Now, we can't see Alyssa at this point, because she's pointing the camera forward. But um, how are you doing, Alyssa? I'm doing well. I'll see if I can get my uh, do my face thing here. <laughs> uh, yeah, just for the moment, to, to, so that I can do the intro piece. And it. I, How are you doing? Right, so, um, well, first things first, I mean, Boston Comic Con. Um, go too much into details. Let's go over uh, an overview at the moment. Um, what's the con experience been like for you so far? Um, it's been tiring. I, I kind of slacked off on my SDCC fit despite last week's um, episode. I haven't been keeping up with it, so my legs are, are getting tired. I find that I've been walking about as much at this con as I did at San Diego, uh, primarily just in, in Artist Alley. I will say that the con floor probably has about as much you could fit four of Boston Comic Cons into one San Diego, worth of the size of the San Diego floor. Uh, but the, uh, the uh, amount of artists is, is, is impressive. Uh, we've got Marv Wolfman, Frank Miller, Howard Jakin, uh, uh, John Cassidy, Sam, um, he, he never makes an appearance. So his line has been outrageous. Um, so uh, there's been a lot of uh, tiring <laughs> floor walking. It, sound, it does sound like it's, uh, some very big, um, heavy hitters there. 
So yeah, you say uh, Frank Miller is—is is he sat behind a table? Is he actually meeting and greeting with fans at this point? He was on Friday. Um, you could buy a, v, a Frank Miller VIP pass, and variety of levels. I think there was a thousand dollars, a five hundred dollar, and then a. a I want to say a $300 pass uh, where you could get a variety of things signed. Um, he, he did do some free signings of people for people uh, late in the day on Friday. But he was only here one day. I did get a chance to record his panel, see and record his panel with um, Azarillo, uh, which I've got up on uh, my blog. A recording, a SoundCloud recording of his panel. Uh, I think the highlight was he was asked what he thought of the BV Superman movie. And he said, I liked Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's it, fair enough. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Friday belonged to really did belong to the creators. I'm going to flip the camera around because I'm tired of looking at me, <laughs> and I'm sure everybody else would much rather look at the cosplayers. We'll head over to the cosplay booth in a bit at uh, the cosplay area. There's some uh, really amazing, amazing work that people have done and, and presented their costumes. Uh, Friday belonged to the the creators and the writers um, got to see a Marvel panel. Uh, sun, uh, Saturday really did belong to the, the celebrity talents. Okay. So, so I mean, the one I thing think- that um, I have noticed in recent cons, and I certainly noticed it at uh, in San Diego and at Star Wars Celebration in 2016, the Sunday is no longer a quiet day. Is that the, is that the case at Boston? That is indeed the case. I didn't get any numbers. I'm just doing a little walk about here. I haven't gotten any numbers. And there we have a Deadpool. There's always one. Realize, there's always one. There's been quite a few. Uh, quite a few Black Widows. Um, Sunday is is busy. I wasn't expecting it to be. I was expecting it to be busier than normal uh, but I think that it's it's kind of le- it seems like the attendance is kind of leveled off with regards to Boston Con this is a cosplay space who uh, creation for Boston Con in which they've got a whole area dedicated to cosplay Again, they, that's something that I appreciate. I mean, it's something that I think uh, could be adopted by uh, San Diego and indeed most cons. For, uh, it's something that came up in a, a conversation online uh, with the, the suggestion of a dedicated space. I'll come back as soon as the announcements are over. <laughs> Wish they did not do announcements. Uh, rather annoying to have this huge booming voice when you're having a you're trying to have a conversation with somebody. There was a um, an excellent cosplayer here earlier uh, who has done uh, Mr. Spock, and oh, fantastic. He's, he's not here at the moment, but he was he was around and hopefully. Before we get off the show, he will still be around. This is going to take a walk into the cosplay room so people can 
We have um, contact lenses and makeup. We've got a variety of accessories, you know, and, and pendants. But, and I'm just doing a slow pan around. Well, I mean, I'm sure you'll appreciate that. I would like to see the uh, the wigs section of the cosplay floor. We're getting there. I'm going over there. I just, okay. I just, Thank you. I just figured you'd kind of like these guys here. So, but it's a it's a place. It's an area for for cosplayers to hang out and look at different stuff for them, which is is kind of nice. Well, something that um, got discussed um, certainly at San Diego and has been been a very prevalent thing in the summer conventions is the whole idea of the weapons check and also realistic weapons as part of cosplay. Has that been an issue at Boston at all? Um, there is a weapons check, but it hasn't doesn't seem to have been an issue. I haven't seen a lot of realistic weapons either. Okay. People are making sense and shying away from those kind of cosplays. Mm-hmm. We have also in this area, we have a gentleman, a professional photographer who's taking pictures. Uh, cosplayers can hire him to take professional pictures. That is what I would like to see more of at conventions. Mm-hmm. It's, it, as you can see, he's really working with a cosplayer to get the, um, this is correct. And he, you know, is directing. um, It's working off a branded background because then people could use that photo in on their uh, personal pages. But I can appreciate what they're trying to do and why they're doing it. But um, the fact that there's a professional setup is uh, very encouraging. Absolutely. I think it's a great service and really expands cosplaying. And he's a line of people. I can imagine. <laughs> we've also got, um, right next to it, we've got um, cos- costumes. Plenty of Deadpools, <laughs> plenty of Harleys. Plenty of Deadpools, plenty of Harleys. and uh, Something I spotted online, and someone actually talked to me about them last night, is there's a group or, or an organization that attend conventions, uh, which are... Cosplay repair engineers. Uh, have you have you have you come across those at all? Because I think that's a uh, great idea. They just I wander around the floor and patch up cosplays as required. I haven't, but what I did hear is that they were going to be doing a cosplay repair area in through here, and now we have the obligatory table of ears, all kinds of ears. <laughs> we have aquatic elf, <laughs> aquatic elf ears. It's quite an advanced setup. Like I'm, it's slightly more than I expected it to be. That's fantastic. Exactly. Uh, that's why I was so impressed with this area and wanted to um, wanted to to mention it. <laughs> right. Yep. So let's talk about the rest of the, of the con as well, because uh, there you go. That's cosplay very sure, much. Sure. Very much covered. Uh, but um, let's talk about uh, what else has been available at Boston. Uh, is it very much um, a exhibition floor heavy event or does it have panel rooms as well? It does have panel rooms. Um, primarily, it is about the show floor. I mean, 
this is the major con for the entire year. So the majority of, while you do have people that come and are regular con goers, the majority, <laughs> the majority of people who come are, um, I hesitate the weekenders, but they, they either are, they're coming with their husband or their, uh, this is, you know, they've only been to one or two cons, so they really are coming to buy stuff. I mean, I had, I had someone mention to me on uh, Twitter that he felt very much that Boston Comic Con was like the big fish in a small pond. Uh, does that kind of make sense that there isn't that many events in that neighborhood to kind of for the, the con attendees in, in the, that vicinity? Exactly. Exactly. It really is the the event of the year in Boston um, for convention goers with the, the talent that they have in terms of creative, comic creatives. It's amazing. There's one or two other cons here during the year that people, um, <laughs> sorry, here I am missing a, an opportunity for visuals. Oh, no. Uh so consequently, people really go all out with this amazing, you get these amazing little vignettes of Wonder Woman, Batman, and mini Captain America. So you say it's very strong in terms of the, the comic stuff. Um, what's it like in terms of the rest of the pop culture? Um, in terms of celebrities, we've got quite a few um, celebs and TV folk, Gillian, uh, not Kieran, but Karen. Uh, yeah. They have the women of the WB. So they've got a bunch of uh, an Arrow and a Tomorrow. I think that uh, they're doing photo ops and, and panels for them. We did have William Shatner yesterday. Yes, uh, I understand he showed up as a kind of surprise guest on a panel. He actually was to be the, the primary guest on uh, the, the William Shatner Q&A panel that was uh, sold to the VIP members. He came on and did 15 or 20 minutes and then got an award from the mayor of Boston and thought he was done. So, wow. so a lot of people, Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were really kind of disappointed that they didn't get their questions answered. I'm going to venture down Artist Alley just uh, a little ways. Let me know if my signal goes, okay? Will do. When I remember looking back at the other cons and the reports of the other cons of the year, uh, cosplay didn't seem like a very big element. This, it just looks, I mean, I don't know if it's a Sunday thing, but there's loads. It very cosplay-centric. Well, I think it's very much a case of people getting the opportunity, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They work all year on their, on their costumes. Um, I, I will also mention that it is about 95 degrees outside and humid. A lot of people who are sweating quite a bit. Let me, I'm going to try and go up to the panel room so people can get an idea. I believe the signal will be better out of the convention floor. Basically where we started the show from, this same area, and I'm just taking a walk through the back part of the room. I didn't go towards the front at all. It's looking, I would say it's looking like a very young audience. 
Uh, I don't know if that's a Sunday thing at Boston, but it does look like a very young audience attending. Mm-hmm. It is in general. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of the old comic book types. We do have a film festival that's occurring at this point. This is the one level up from the convention. <laughs> oh, the second floor escalator not working. Oh, so I actually have to use stairs. <laughs> Not a good thing at the last day of con. Right. And then we come up to to the amphitheater, the the third and final level. What's the size of the main uh, arena at uh, Boston? I, I that was where I was going, and I am not sure. It's probably in the neighborhood of a thousand seats for the main panel room. So not massive uh, in not terms of. Uh, no. Very intimate, if anything. Are you there? Okay, we may have to come back to Alyssa. We'll see if we get any kind of reclaimed uh, image back. I know that it's very spotty. So we're looking like we're back with Alyssa, um, who seems to have a slightly stronger signal outside. Wonderful. Wonderful. I figured that I would be able to get a decent signal here. I'm at the same, just so people can understand the lay of the land, I'm at the same level that I left you on. I walked through those down this huge long corridor here and am now, as I turn around, on top of the road that runs in front of the convention center. In a moment, you'll see... So you do actually actually enter from the top of the convention? Well, you can, but you can also, the main entrance is right down here, uh, right below me, to the convention center, in through those doors. So you can also go go in. Uh, Actually, I got my timeball turned around. It was on the other side. But, but the point being is that uh, you can get from the convention center to the main hotel, which is this one over here and these two hotels to stay at. These are all three-star hotels and nice of nicer quality. So you're, you, are, you do end up paying about 250 a night. Okay, that's not cheap. <laughs> no, it isn't. And I actually was going to go over to uh, the hotel oh. to sit and chat, if you don't mind. Well, while you do that, we'll put you on mute then, and um, okay. I'll, we'll cover some of the things pieces. that have happened over the last Okay. Right. So Alyssa Francis is now going to head over to the hotel away from the convention center. Hopefully we'll get ourselves um, a strong signal so she can actually talk to us about what she's seen and done this weekend. Right. Um, while she's doing that, let's talk about some of the uh, Comic-Con news uh, that's happened this week and relating directly to San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, this may be of interest for you if you weren't attending Comic-Con this year and if you uh, experienced San Diego through YouTube videos of the panel rooms and also the interviews that had taken place at uh, the event. One of the uh, one of our personal favorites of uh, providing content, and indeed, if you look at their uh, numbers, which they gather, uh, does very well indeed, 
is Flicks in the City. Uh, this is actually two people, Jan and Ed, that uh, supply this uh, footage and upload it to a YouTube account. It's always of extremely high quality, and for those people who can't make it into Hall H, it's a great way to experience the content up on stage. They never show the concept art on the screens. They never show the trailers. It's all about the panel uh, content and the people talking up on stage. However, at the beginning of the week, Flicks in the City and all their videos, uh, it seemed, had completely vanished from their channel. Um, I was particularly concerned by this because they were there the uh, a couple of days before, and um, I wanted to do a recap of Hall H. But the uh, the clips had disappeared, and the uh, the links had disappeared as well. As it happens, Jan and Ed were returning back from the States after an extended holiday. They'd been in the U.S. for a further two weeks after San Diego. But this is where, before they left, uh, they discovered that they had 10 copyright strikes against their content and um, were facing some very serious repercussions on their channel. And when they returned to the UK, discovered that there was a further 70 strikes against their channel, which meant that within seven days, YouTube would be closing down the Flicks in the City channel entirely. Now, these copyright strikes were put up against uh, the video content by Lionsgate and Comic-Con International, at which point a lot of people got very frustrated, very angry at the fact that these fine supporters of the Comic-Con community had had their content removed. People who had not attended obviously wanted to see the, the footage, and those people that uh, were just generally supportive of Flicks in the City were just very concerned about the fact that somebody who had recorded this content up on stage, like every a lot of other people do, uh, including some major um, uh, uh, suppliers like uh, IGN, also recording from people in the audience, um, basically were being targeted by Comic-Con International. Jan did set up a Save Flicks in the City hashtag and basically marshaled the army. I can tell you now from personal experience, if there's one person I don't think I would ever want to upset on social media, is Jan Gilbert from Flicks in the City. She absolutely marshaled all the efforts and got everyone involved in supporting Flicks in the City. Obviously, a lot of people tagging Comic-Con International and Comic-Con HQ in their posts. As it happens... Um, I spoke to a couple of contacts from inside Common Con International and got the bit of the story from their end. As it happened, people, or there was somebody who was taking Comic Con HQ footage from the stage of the uh, activation outside the Hilton uh, Bayfront and uploading it to their own channel as their own. At which point, Comic Con HQ then subcontracted a third party internet expert to take down those videos and search and destroy for their own content. Off the back of their own initiative, they then went after other channels and other content, which wasn't in their remit. At the end of the day, the stuff that's recorded on red carpet and interview rooms is fully the, um, the purview of the people recording it, the press invitees. So those uh, panels were certainly not under jurisdiction. Comic-Con HQ did turn around to YouTube because they have strong ties and strong connections with that company and insisted that all the strikes were taken down. And indeed, I believe it was yesterday morning, Flicks in the City was completely back up and running. It was a bit scary for a little while there and understandably for people, and I did actually have one or two people asking me why I should care and why you should care. 
At the end of the day, if you're recording content, just videoing on your phone, at the end of the day, the last thing you need is an organization taking down your footage for copyright and basically trying to be the blanket provider for an event like San Diego Comic-Con. Comic-Con HQ have fully accepted that they were in the wrong and instantly moved and marshaled their efforts to make sure that Flicks in the City were exonerated. I'm pleased and proud to say that Flicks in the City is now back up and running. Do check out Flicks in the City on YouTube for all of their coverage of San Diego Comic-Con 2016. Now, the people that I spoke to at Comic-Con HQ were very apologetic and heartbroken at the thought that they would be messing with the community at large. They do want to uh, stress that they didn't uh, intend this to happen. And they've also turned around and said that they are looking forward to talking to us about that as well as what happened at uh, Comic-Con HQ in the next couple of months. So we will be joined by either Seth Lederman or Joe LaFabi to talk about Comic-Con HQ. All good news all round. That would be wonderful to hear. Yeah, what was the response on the forum? Was there any chatter about it there, Alyssa? A little bit. Um, if we as creators are going to be limited, if we can't record those things, this whole subculture of fandom and and folks that are creating stuff and getting people interested in it would would have a, have had a devastating blow. And I'm really glad that they're stepping back from this and realize that they over that there was an overstep that that took place because it would have sure. been devastating. For, for all of us, not just flicks in the city, but, um, if, if people tried to come and swoop in and take all of this content that's, that's essentially fan generated for, by fans, for fans. The one thing that Jan very much discovered when she uh, announced and she put a video up describing the situation, the one thing that she found was it was all the individual fandoms, the supernatural fandom, the arrow mm-hmm. fandom. All of these people who relied on Flicks in the City coverage to see uh, for those people who were either um, outside the country, were unable to get badges, whatever. This was their portal into those panel rooms. So um, I think it was um, a good move on Comic-Con HQs to uh, dial back their uh, efforts against uh, Flicks and the City. That might as well get the title right. They didn't. That they didn't initiate it. They they initiated it against this one person, and then there was an overstep by somebody who's not in the community and who didn't understand the the fan rabid fan base that they're dealing with. And <laughs> all organizations certainly understand all convention organizations certainly understand the rabid fan base, but it's not yeah. that well understood by the more commercial uh, marketing well, and. Yeah, I, I think this could actually be, this could, this will, I suspect, be an object lesson for a lot of companies. Yes. A lot of organizations. <laughs> that's, that's the reason why I certainly think it is newsworthy because it was certainly something which could have been a very device, divisive, uh, situation, but thankfully all sorted. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's return back to, um, uh, Boston Comic Con, uh, before we do wrap things up today. So from what we can gather, it's very much a big fish in a little pond, but can still attract a massive talent base mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. the comic creators. You mentioned very briefly about the film and the television, the pop, the pop culture stuff. Um, does do that attract the attention or is it very much comic based? There's, there's two, you, you address two subjects. One was the, the films. And there is an independent film, um, track 
that goes along a similar track to San Diego, um, which had a oh, lot of so interest. Like their, like their independent film festival, yeah? Exactly. So there, there certainly are a lot of those, uh, interesting films going, going on and being played. I did not get to see one of them. Like, because like San Diego, it's, it's so you have to focus on your particular track. With regards to the celebrities, um, there was quite, there are quite a few and I am also, sure. um, reading through the, uh, Trying to, tr- trying desperately to read through the celebrity appearances. I know that I've s- signed up for, um, the guy in Gotham. Uh, you mean Ben McKenzie miss- by any chance? Yes, I do. Thank you, Leonard. What would I do without <laughs> you? <laughs> so we had William Shatner. We had, uh, Frank Miller. We've got, um, uh, K- Katie Lowe. Lotez, um, she's, was in Arrow and, and is currently in Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, we have Daniel Panbaker, she's in Flash. Panbaker from the, the Flash, yeah. Yes. Uh, Friday the 13th. We've got Elizabeth, Elizabeth Henstredge, a lovely, lovely lady. Sweetheart, ben, ben McKenzie, who as I've already mentioned. Karen Gillian, who I mentioned before. Um, Gillian Anderson, I understand, is there or was there as well. Is uh, she's always yep, a good John, John Barrowman was here. I didn't get to see him his panel last night. Um, and then William Shatner and Frank Miller. So that's I, pretty I think, much. I mean, it's certainly the panel that I've been uh, hearing a lot about has been the Jenna Coleman and uh, Karen Gillan uh, panel, purely because th- th- there is just. Although they were two separate um, Doctor Who um, companions, there's this strong bond between the pair of them as kind of like veteran Doctor Who appearances. And I've been hearing great things about their panels. So looking forward to uh, seeing any video of that. I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't, I didn't get tickets to that. How Boston has it set up is they, um, the tickets are free to the panels, however, to the celebrity panels. However, you need to get them before the show. So they will, they went on sale, so to speak, last week and, um, timed sales. So they would have a Katie Lotez. Pronouncing the name again, um, her tickets would go on sale at like five o'clock, and somebody else's tickets would go on sale at nine o'clock uh, that day, and and so they didn't get the server hits that um, some other places would get if they released them all at once. It like a kind of combination between San Diego Comic Con and that Nerd HQ setup, where it's an online yep. scrum for for tickets, except they're free. It could be, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good analogy. But just to and just to give people an idea, um, Katie Lotez, um, her autographs were forty dollars and her photo op was fifty. We've got uh, Daniel Pan Baker uh, again, forty and fifty for the photo op. Yeah, that's looking like the uh, the kind of ballpark price for the vast majority. It's only when you start hitting your. Uh... The, uh, like, your, uh, yeah, your Gillian Anderson and your William Shatner's of the world where you start mm-hmm. getting a little bit 
prices. Karen Gillian is 55 for an auto and 60 for a photo op. Uh, Jenna Coleman uh, is 50, 55 and 60. Uh, Gillian was 60 and 60 for that. The only person I heard that they had real problems um, in terms of scheduling was um, uh, was the Shatner, the Shatner one. So there are the the question that you originally asked was, are is there a strong pop culture component to this? And absolutely there is, but it still recognizes its fan base, which is comics um, and the writer the. All of Friday was really focused on the writers of comics, not so much the artists. And so that that was that was really nice to see from from my perspective because everything stems from the page. If you have sure. good content on the page, you're going to get good art, and you're going to get good actors, and you're going to yeah, it, it will get a good product at the end. Cool. How's your experience been then? Have you found it positive? Have you found it uh, worthwhile? Yes. I mean, it's one of, it's, it's a local con, so it's one of my favorites to come to and enjoy. Uh, you know, it's the, the hotel is right across the street. Um, I know how to get rooms here. They, it's, the restaurant is good. They had this amazing seared scallops and corn chowder thing, which was, was oh, wonderful. Okay. You can stop right there. I haven't, <laughs> I'm starving. So we'll, we'll, leave, so, we'll leave that there. Exactly, exactly. I will say, just on a wrap-up note, traveling with a 16-year-old and his friend who is a picky eater and a vegetarian is annoying. Ooh, <laughs> so don't, I wouldn't recommend that at all. Okay. Well, um, seeing as I don't usually take 16-year-olds along with me um, because uh, I'm, a, I'm still on the watch list, um, apparently, well, don't, I, think I'm, I think I'm safe, so don't worry about it. Um, that was a joke, by the way. Uh, just to let you know, um, if you could pick a highlight then, uh, of, of one highlight of, of the weekend so far, because I know that you've still got time yet. You can go back in, um, highlight so far though. Um, the Frank Miller panel. Absolutely. That, that was, uh, both him and Azarillo were, uh, humorous, dry, on point, witty, um, uh, so that's a highlight. I will tell one other quick story. I was at the uh, breakfast downstairs in the hotel restaurant. I sat down. I, I never eat breakfast. Howard Chaikin comes in and sits down next to me in the table next to me. I don't say a word. I acknowledge. I say, you know, I, I wave and say hi because I know, of course, who he is. Uh, uh, American flag. Is was one of my favorites back in the day when uh, that comic came out in the late 90s or mid-90s. Um, and he didn't say a word, and I didn't say a word. I let him have his space. And then he kind of leans over, and he's, like, looking at all of my paraphernalia, my, uh, my bags, my con bags and all of that. He's like... The monetarization of con culture, I just, I just can't get behind that. I'm paraphrasing, of course. So, so it, it was just a really nice inner, um, a bit, really nice little story. Into that conversation? 
I, I did I did get a little bit into the conversation with him, but it was right before the con opened, so we, we couldn't we couldn't get very much farther with it because we both had stuff to do. But um, I, of well, course, see, I now did. I've got the mental image of you and Howard Chaikin, hand in hand, just wandering off. <laughs> not quite, <laughs> but but he's a very nice gentleman, and drink and draw that occurred on Friday night, which in which everybody was, all of the creators were were in in the the they took over the restaurant and had a massively fun time, just drawing and talking with wow. fans. Um, even Brian Azzarillo came in at one point. He didn't, of course, draw anything. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was nice that it was, that there was so much, it was just easy with the fans. I think Stan Sakai took, he did this fabulous sketch in 20, in 20 minutes and just said, here, and left. Fair enough. So, it's it's been a very to wrap to answer your question. It's been a very nice, uh, very nice con. I will be back, and I would encourage other people to come if they're ever if they're interested in visiting Boston. Um, it's uh, in an urban situation on the subway, so you can absolutely do the con, see the city, rent a car, get outside of the city, visit New England. Okay. Do you have dates set already for next year, or is that to be announced at the end of this? Event. I don't. I I don't know. I don't have those dates currently. I'm a, I'm just praying it isn't the week after San Diego. Please. Well, just <laughs> yes. I think a lot of people are praying that a lot of things are happening the week after San Diego. But <laughs> after, I just have to, I've got a couple of questions. I've got a couple of questions on the Q and A, just very quickly. Uh, actually, probably just a, 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 literally just a couple, but certainly from Jason Coe. Uh, was there no salmon talk from Shatner? I... <laughs> no. Okay, that's a story. That's a story. <laughs> Remember in the Star Trek panel um, at yeah. San Diego, there was quite a bit of uh, kumbaya hold, holding people's hands and save the salmon, you know. So, no, there was none by Shatner. As a matter of fact, he spent um, 15 minutes, the first, the, the only 15 minutes that he was speaking to the audience, he spent it almost exclusively talking about sports. Um, the <laughs> Patriots, the baseball, and I'm like, go sports. You know? I, well, you, yes, know that, I, you know this is only because the 100 is on hiatus at the moment. <laughs> but there we go. Yeah. Anyway, I did. He has, put to, that, he has to fixate on something. So. I, I did put it up on um, on my on my blog yesterday, but it's basically Shatner talking about sports. The um, the the keys to the city or the Shatner day was was nice, and it was a nice touch by Mayor Mayor Marino to to do. So thumbs up, Boston Comic Con. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Excellent. Five thumbs up. Oh, good grief. Okay. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much indeed for that, Alyssa. Um, she's going to head back into the uh, con now. If you do want, if you are there, if you want to try and catch hold of her, uh, she is going to be wandering around. Uh, no doubt. Uh, I mean, where is your next port of call? Have you got anything planned? Um, I think I'm going to try to get into the Ben McKenzie panel. Um, I've got tickets for that. So that's, that's my next 
uh, port of call. So I'll be walking straight back uh, over the bridge and, and into the convention center. Okay. So I will leave you now, if you don't mind, and see you next week. I hear we have a guest. We do indeed. Yes, let's do that to wrap up quickly. So thank you very much indeed to Alyssa for joining us from Boston Comic Con. Next week we are going to be joined uh, by a special guest indeed. Um, one of the big activations at uh, San Diego this year was Conival, uh, Camp Conival, uh, as uh, put together by uh, Geek and Sundry and Nerdist. At the, um, oh, no, away she goes. Uh, so it just leaves me to announce it. Yeah, so uh, at the Petco Park, Conival was um, uh, put together where there was a, a nice staged area where they had um, fantastic guests throughout the course of the weekend. They also had a pay, um, laser tag set, section set up at the back corner. You had lots of little bits and pieces around Petco Park, and it really was a fun way to get into uh, San Diego Comic-Con off-site. The one thing I actually could say is it was the true oasis of San Diego Comic-Con. I know Entertainment Weekly wanted that to be their domain, but they set up a little bit too far out of the way for my liking, and Petco Park is right in the center of downtown. So there it was, and the great thing about um, that, it was put together by Nerdist and Geek and Sundry, which meant they had all of their friends showing up to uh, take part. Editor-in-Chief Rachel Hine from Nerdist will be joining us next week to talk about Conival, what it took to put that event together, highlights of the uh, the off-site, and just what it means to be a massive activation in somewhere like Petco, especially when people do talk about San Diego Comic-Con using Petco Park. What it actually takes to use Petco, Nerdist know, Rachel knows, and she'll be talking to us about that on next week's show. We're live, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT, so hopefully you can join us for that. I know that a lot of people will be wanting us to do a little bit more on the uh, Disney D23 situation, especially for internationals. I'm going to do a little bit more research into that, uh, so uh, Graham, if you want to uh, help me out with that, uh, that'd be great if we can uh, kind of coordinate our efforts and find out exactly what the situation is with those uh, badge tickets. Uh, with those bads purchasing. Thank you very much, Janine, for joining us. Again, thanks to Alyssa for joining us uh, live from Boston Comic Con. Hope you enjoyed that slight glimpse into what looked to be an immense uh, event at, uh, in Boston. And hopefully we'll see you next week for another Talking Comic Con, Cup of Tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Take care. <laughs>